0: Hey, Welcome or welcome back to the Uncomfortable is OK podcast. I'm your host, Chris Desmond. This is a show where we try and figure out how to get better at doing the hard stuff that makes life exciting or that life just has a tendency to throw at us from time to time. And life has definitely thrown it at us at the moment with COVID-19 and how it's exploded worldwide. And Here in New Zealand, we've been in lockdown for almost a week now, which brings with it a, a a whole different set of challenges and small challenges compared to, to a lot of the, the challenges that are going on in the world at the moment but it's uh, it is a Challenging time for everyone, and today I'm joined by a return guest on the podcast. Actually, Cam Calcoun who is a professional speaker. He's a pretty inspirational guy. He was born with cerebral palsy. He was told that walking and talking were going to be the hardest things for him, and he went on and represented New Zealand in athletics, and now speaks professionally all over the world. So he's a pretty inspirational, impressive guy, and. Last time I talked to Cam, there, there were multiple moments where the hair on the back of my neck just stood on end. He's, he's that sort of guy. He just has that that power when he, when he talks. And we recorded this about a week and a half ago, so before lockdown, before everything um, sort of took off quite rapidly here in New Zealand. And Cam was gracious enough to talk through some of the challenges that he had been going through uh, at at the moment and in regards to his speaking business and, and what he was planning on doing for this year and obviously it's still reasonably raw for him as well so it was it was really cool that he shared that stuff but it's also a conversation around hope it's a conversation around opportunity and and seeing opportunity and adversity and, and having hope to to get through to the other side of it and and looking to develop cool stuff while all of this is going on so I hope everyone out there is safe I hope everyone out there is healthy and I hope everyone out there is dealing with the discomfort of this moment okay and what I hope for you is that this conversation that Cam and I have as well um, inspires a little bit of hope allows you to see this period of time as as an opportunity for yourselves and and creates a little bit of positivity and a little bit of value in your lives at the moment so sing out if uh if you need a chat at all but thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with cam and i today cam calcoon welcome back to the uncomfortable is okay podcast mate how are
1: you oh man it's so good to be back here it's been times to be talking about uncomfortable
0: very interesting times to be talking about discomfort mate and um it's been what it must have been over two years since we last uh had sat down and had a podcast conversation wouldn't it
1: yeah i'm thinking two two and a bit and yeah yeah first conversation i guess we spoke about sort of the life up until our point and
0: and everyone should go back and, and have a listen to that last conversation that, that i had with you and um one of the measures of, of cool conversations that I use is how many times your hair on the back of your neck stands up a little bit. And I think I counted at least five during that conversation with you, Cam. It's well worthwhile for people listening. I can't remember the number of the episode, but I'll, I'll link it up in the notes for this one. For people who aren't long-term listeners of the show and people who haven't come across you before, Cam, give us a little bit of background about yourself. Who Who is Cam Calcoon? Where are you from? Where did you... What's, what's your path been?
1: Yeah, so I was born with cerebral palsy, but grew up in a very opportunity-centric family. You know, it's a real chicken and egg of what comes first. Is it your parents that encourage you, or is it your mindset? From my earliest mindset, I've always had a vision to kind of make the most of the opportunities that are really around us, so got into athletics at school, Again, that was a hugely uncomfortable moment for me, but I had a friend that said, hey, Cam, why don't you get into the School Athletics Day and put my name down for the shortest event, mainly because it'd be over the quickest. (laughs) (laughs) And a friend went on to really love being in an environment that was less focused on the and more focused on the ability. And through that, represented New Zealand in athletics, got into some cool charity work. We raised $4 million in a few years to build a disability resource center. We realized that people paid to get inspired, but if we were giving their inspiration for free, maybe they would return the favor in the way of a donation. But we realized that in order to hit that mark, we had to be pretty good at what we did. So mm. stay up till one, two, three, four o'clock in the morning Working out how best I was going to tell my story, and for doing that, people would be like, "Hey, Cam, would you be able to uh, speak at my school, speak at my work?" And I was really scared, really scared. I mean, speaking was the last thing I was ever, I ever thought I would do. But just like with my athletics, I realised if I wanted to be good at it, or if I wanted to not be scared at it, I was scared about it do some training, be confident in what I had to say. And if I'm confident in what I have to say, I don't need to worry so much about how I sound for having my cerebral palsy. So I did that seven years ago. I decided that I was gonna make speaking my full-time lifestyle. A year later, I achieved that. And for the last five and a half years, I've been a full-time professional speaker.
0: Are there still some times that you get scared speaking?
1: Every single time, and It never goes your way because you set these, these expectations to control and these expectations to manage. And whenever you're stepping in front of an audience of people, you know, it is one of the most vulnerable places you can pick yourself in. And so the fear isn't in can I do this for fear, as for anything, is within the unknown. And it doesn't matter if you speak, you know, last year, 145 speeches, but every audience is new, every environment is new, and every day is new. And so that's what you're having to adapt to. You have to, you know, different things are happening in your life and you need to work out how you're going to still get through that day. Or a couple of years ago, flew up to Canada to speak to a a room two hundred and fifty professional speakers from all over the world. Now that's scary.
0: Yeah, that would be pretty freaky, actually. How what do it's you
1: a weird thing? Because it should <laughs> actually be the most comforting audience. You know, it should be hmm. the most forgiving audience because everyone can appreciate what it actually means to be a speaker. Yet. The perceptions, you know, I think what I've been realising over the last few years is it's our perceptions that create the biggest fear. And our perception is, oh my gosh, I'm speaking in front of professional speakers. They're going to be judging me. They're going to be wondering why I'm on stage and why not. And you let all that crap get in the way.
0: Mm. Yeah, that is that's, that's some really cool insight there, Cam. How do you manage your perceptions? Um, because you speak all the time, so obviously you're scared all the time as well. So there are a lot of perceptions around that that you need to need to be addressing as the, as they come up. Like, how do you go about doing that on a on a daily or, or weekly basis?
1: So when it comes to actually being on the stage, you know, and here we got Cam Calcoon, When you hit that point, you don't want to be thinking about any of that mm. shows very much about left, right brain exercises, breathing, that's all you're focusing on, and telling yourself, look, I've done this for so long. I think really just finding that confidence in who you are and then knowing what works in order to pull rope into audience and get them on your side.
0: Mm, Which I would imagine comes with time doing it that you learn those, learn those tools. It
1: comes with time, it comes with practice, and it comes with comfort, you know, I was speaking with a young, inspiring speaker today, and I said, look, if you, if you can use humor, humor is a great way to break a, you know, break the ice, but if humor is not going to come comfortably or naturally to you, don't do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> People that try and force humor just, It ends up horrifically sometimes, doesn't it? I know from experience when I have and (laughs) I've tried to force it, it is just, yeah, you kind of, you you sink a little bit inside. But most of you
1: force anything, right?
0: Mm, Yeah, that is true. That is very true,
1: mate. So my other question to him was, you know, if you're going to get into this world of professional speaking, how much do you love it? And Do you love it more... In any of our other options that you've got to be a professional in. And if your answer is yes, well, when in chances are you're going down the right track. If your answer is no, well, why don't you go and put your energy into that, that thing that you really want to do?
0: Hmm. If you were giving advice to, this is a bit of a tangent, but if you were giving advice to someone up and coming who wanted to do speaking as one of the things that they were that they wanted to do? Because like in this day and age, there are multiple different options of things that people can do and people like side hustle is a, is a great term yeah. at the moment. But people can kind of pick and choose a lot of different things. If speaking was say on par with some other stuff, would you still tell people to pursue it?
1: Well, I'd be. I'd wonder what the overall thing is that they're pursuing. What is the purpose? Why? Not what? What do I say? What did I say last time? It was like, what do you want to do in this world? And if what you want to do in this world involves communicating, connecting, inspiring, empowering. Well, when your speaking is a part of a bigger, your, your team. You know, I've got a friend of mine and he very much looks at every, he's a basketball fanatic, he loves his NBA. And he looks at himself as being the, the captain of the team. And he's got a manager above him. And any opportunity that comes into his life, he views as being a player on the team. So he's got a certain amount of players but he can play at any one time. And mm-hmm. if that opportunity isn't going to propel the team forward, he leaves it. So, so if speaking is, you know, speaking is your side hustle, but if together it gives you a championship team, well, we'll do it.
0: Yeah, I like that as a a metaphor, as an analogy around it as well. And I think sometimes, like, if you think about it from a game perspective too, is that for some points you're going to have to put a player on the bench and bring another player in. Yeah. Um, which actually we'll, we'll we'll use that analogy later when we're when we're talking about uh, some other stuff too, Cam. But um, one of the of the other things that uh, that you mentioned there was was doing some left brain and right brain exercises. Mm-hmm. Can you can you tell me what they are?
1: Real simple, like right? just doing my figure of eight with my thumb in front of my face with having cerebral palsy. One of the things that is the way in which messages travel around my body, they, they don't go smooth like they do for a lot of people. They hit speed bumps along the way. And so the more that I'm doing to get my mind used to, you know, sending those messages as smooth as possible, the more focused and the more relaxed that I can be.
0: Interesting. And I'm sure there are a whole lot of people at the moment actually just doing figures of eight with their thumb in front of their face. Um,
1: Yeah, because it's an amazing way of just like forgetting what else is going on in that world, you know, just, just focus is so important. And if you've got that focus, well, you can find your strong place so easily.
0: Definitely. And, is that, those small exercises, are they one of the ways you usually like to drop into focus or are there other things that you use to, to sharpen your focus?
1: That's the main one I would do because it doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter if there's a thousand people in the room and boring music and I'm backstage, you know, I can do a flicker I go and it, it, no one even needs to see I'm doing it, you know. So it is, as a speaker, for me, I find that's the one that
0: works the best. Yeah, and those, those small ones are often the most effective ones as well because they don't, you can utilize them whatever the environment is, wherever you are, and, uh, and they, they drop you into that focus. Out of interest, mate, who, who taught you that one? Where did you learn that from?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think it might have... I've known him for a very long time, and all I can think is when I moved to Auckland, we moved out as I was a teenager, young teenager, and I started doing something called the Alexander Technique, Mm -hmm. which was all about your posture. So before, you know, as a kid, the only reason I'm... I'm sort of as able as I am is because for the first seven years of my life I went to the hospital every single day for physiotherapy, speech therapy, anything in England therapy, I've done it. And then I stopped because none of it really made sense to me. I didn't know why I had to do that and why my mates weren't doing it. And then through I eventually got it, found this thing called the Alexander Technique. And what was so cool is because it was just focused on posture and well-being and that anyone of all of the ladies was doing it. It just had a different side effect for me, which made my mobility easier. And a big part of the Alexander Technique was your mindset, your focus, your breathing, your posture. And so your clarity and state of mind is so important. Mm, interesting, man. Interesting. Do you do anything uh, yourself? Like, uh, I feel you've um, kind of looked quite a bit into this.
0: Yeah, I mean, for focus is, focus is interesting. I probably think about it more rather than sharpening my focus on something is just slowing down all the external noise, which allows me to then look at something and there's like there are there are multiple techniques that i use actually some of them
1: what would be your favorite i'll
0: give you three maybe um so the three that that are kind of popping to mind for me at the moment one is actually just a like a running commentary of what it is that you're doing so you've got all this kind of this this noise um i i often liken it to someone's just tossed a baraka into a glass of water and it's just fizzing around all over the place Mm. And that's what my mind feels like sometimes—that I've just got so many thoughts happening there, um, and you've got that that internal internal chatter, the internal critic that's going on, and actually just commentating either out loud or in your head about what it is that you're doing starts to to bring your attention to your body to to what it is that you're actually doing. So. For example, I got back from a walk one day with the dog and, and with my son and my mind was just going all over the place and I made a coffee and it was go to the fridge, open the door, reach in, get out the milk, walk to the bench, take the lid off, pour it into the jug, put the milk down, screw it back on and a minute of that actually just slowed everything down and like physically I felt different that when my mind was going crazy I I really had a protection response that was happening in my body because there were so many thoughts there that my body was like there's got to be a threat here somewhere so my shoulders were up my jaw was a little bit clenched my breathing was was tight after doing that for a minute or so my shoulders dropped my jaw was relaxed my my focus was definitely kind of more in the present moment so that's an interesting one that I use. I've been talking to a whole heap of mindfulness practitioners in the last month, actually. So it's quite it's quite nice, actually, to have you on the podcast, although we're still going to talk about mindfulness today. But actually, just stopping and, and taking five or ten breaths and just kind of focusing on how my chest moves as I do it, focusing on the air coming in and out, mm-hmm. that tends to slow things down a little bit for me. Or one of the other ones that I quite like is actually just getting outside and looking at the horizon, having a look up. Um, and I'm, I'm lucky in, in terms of where I live in Wellington is that I can walk out onto our deck and I can look up and I can see the mountains around, around Wellington mm-hmm. and just look out there. And one, it's beautiful, but, but two, it, it really puts things in perspective for me as well is that I feel that I get a slightly bigger picture about what's going on I don't feel so wrapped up and kind of looking down at just what's in underneath my nose but also it gives me the perspective of kind of how small and insignificant that I am in the scheme of things as well is that like this land has been here for millennia and will likely be here for millennia after I'm gone so really do I have a whole heap of stuff to worry about? Are my problems actually that big? So that's, a that's a, again, a nice one just to kind of bring it into bring things into perspective for me. A lot more involved, though, than uh, than your figure eight. So I'm going to actually be practicing that one next time, Cam, and I'll let you know how I go with it, mate.
1: Yeah, do, do. But what you mentioned, we about the, um, the chest and the breathing, you know, and, and that really is, as a speaker, so important on stage to that thing of when you open up a chest you just seem to get a, a sense of clarity that you don't have when you're hunched over and breathing
0: shallow definitely and I think this I'm putting my physiotherapy hat on with, with this one mate but I think that, that's a big challenge for a lot of people uh, in this day and age is that one we tend to, to sit down a whole lot yep. more than what we used to so we kind of flex through our lumbar spine our shoulders come forward so it closes down our lungs ability to expand so we can't breathe quite as deeply we don't expand through through the rib cage so it's it's harder to get centered but also it's harder to take a take a deep breath but also with the the pace of life and and everything especially what that's going on at the moment is that um we often forget about our breathing and we're kind of rushing from one thing to the next. And, and that brings with it again, kind of a sense of threat or a sense of discomfort, which kicks off our sympathetic nervous system. So that's the, your, your fight or flight response. So where your muscles tense, your shoulders tighten. And if if you're tight through your shoulders and through your, the muscles of your chest, then again, it doesn't allow your lungs to expand as well as they, as they, can do and as well as ideally we want them to do. So I think it's uh it's an important thing to to be training actually is is how how do you breathe? Because mm. I notice sometimes that I do a rubbish job of it.
1: I think a lot of people do. So mm. there you go. Mm. If people take one thing, get some focus on your breathing.
0: <laughs> yeah, have a have a breath. Mate, I've just hijacked that podcast here a little bit. So <laughs> let me ask you a question. You did hundred and forty five speeches last year yeah man is that a is that's that's the most you've ever done
1: yeah it it has been i mean it's been pretty close to that for the last two years and it's a crazy schedule in order to create that i remember Mm. flying up to canada to do a 20-minute speech and then flying back home so you do some crazy stuff in order to make it work but i very much every year I consider I have at least one foot in the sand, but as you never get too big ahead, to never lose focus of where you are in the world just what you were saying before. You know, this world's been around for millennia. We're small and, uh, yeah, we want to take on as much as we can. I do. But it's about appreciating the, the reality of it.
0: Yeah, I'm sure there's a whole heap of fun that is that is in there as well. It's not all just hard work. But what keeps you going when things get really just dis- demanding?
1: Yeah, it's the you know I had a friend who said, "Oh, you've got a sweet job, Cam. You just fly somewhere, you talk to people when you go home, <laughs> and it's not that it's a lifestyle, you know and I mean lifestyle is in, is thinking about what you're gonna say all the time. Because even though there's parts of what you've said before, everything's new, you're always trying to tie it together, you're fitting a specific brief, and you're responding to what's happening around you. Balance is important, so like that physical activity, you know, it doesn't, I go to the gym and it's not to turn into Arnold Schwarzenegger, is to really take that time out from the focus. Having conversations with people, being open with people, like just fueling as much of imagination as I can. But why I do what I do, Chris, is I want to inspire as many people as I can. I want to create a world where, well, contribute towards a world where people really are seeing the opportunities, we were bending the perceptions, we were believing in the dreams, we were taking risks, we were doing what's different, we were not getting too comfortable mm-hmm. because when we start doing those things, we kind of stop climbing. And, you know, I I, I went out and I, I, I started going bungee jumping and skydiving and rally car driving and climbing Mount Kilimanjaro and the reason I do these things is because within all of that stuff, there's gonna be stories that I can share to an audience.
0: Mm. And why is getting that message out there important to you?
1: Because I had this point when I was a young person where I let everything get in the way of a dream. I let the way that I talk get in the way of my dream. I let the way that I walk get in the way of my dream. I had some pretty dark thoughts about what should I do with my life. And the thing that got me through it was I had support. But what made me listen to the support is really dig down, I could still see my dream. And I could still believe in my dream. And to give up on that dream was worse than anything else. And so having that small glimpse kept me going. And, and so I did much more of what made me uncomfortable. I got into drama to, to develop my speech. I got into athletics to develop my running. And through Rose. Two things so I went on to build careers that took me all over the world. So, for me, getting uncomfortable, taking risks, doing what's different isn't just a, a thing I believe in, it's a thing that saved my life.
0: Thank you for sharing that, mate. It's a, it's a powerful story. Why did you decide Mount Kilimanjaro?
1: Because why not, man? And I guess that's the underlying message with a lot of what I do. Is I was meeting with a good friend of mine, Michael Shopp. Michael Shopp, is a New Zealand pilot. He's climbed Mount Everest. He's, a, he's done seven pentacles in seven days, seven marathons in seven days. He's, he's written a book. He went up Mount Kilimanjaro in 2018. We caught up afterwards and he was like, Cam, have you ever thought about climbing Mount Kilimanjaro? The tallest freestanding standing in, in the world. And I never had. It wasn't part of the bucket list. But the reasons for saying yes were way more awesome than the perceptions for saying no. So 20 minutes later, I'd made my deposit.
0: <laughs> oh, nice, man. How was it? How did it go?
1: It was, from that point of making the deposit, it was one of the scariest things I'd ever done. And I remember I jumped in my car and I was like, Hey, what are you doing? You hate walking? <laughs> and I'd never done anything like that before. But what I love doing is connecting people and challenging perception. So I wrote an email to 20 people who inspire me, inviting them on a trip of a lifetime. From the email, 19 people said yes. And on the 10th of June, we started climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. And the toughest day was day, day three. So, it takes day, five days up, two days down. Uh, 19,000 feet is the highest you get to. Day three, you're 12,000 feet. And altitude sickness really started to kick in. So, my lungs felt the size of a grape. My head felt like a peanut being squashed by an elephant. For 12 hours, I was vomiting every 30, 35 minutes. I'd see helicopters taking people off the mountain, and I had to dig real deep with the question of, do I stop or do I keep going? And became a champion, a champion of myself. And there were so many reasons not to do that climb. I'd never done anything like it before. wasn't getting the best sleep on the mountain. It was a busy time of year. What about the work I was gonna miss out on? Um, I wasn't having the best food, but what I had was a dream to reach to the top. I spoke that dream, I shared it with people, and and then I had people. And, you know, in New Zealand we grow up with what is the most important thing in the world? It is the people, it is the people, it is the people. people. And in that case, it really was people, but, It got me to the top.
0: Awesome, man. Did the altitude sickness settle down for you, or did you...
1: Yeah. Thankfully, it did. Thankfully, it did. And what I didn't realize is that it can affect anyone. Like, it doesn't Mm. matter how thick. Some of these uh, porters, they go up the mountain about 100 times in their life. And if they don't go out for more than 30 days, they can still experience altitude sickness. So, I was really... Because also, although lots of people with all different abilities have climbed this mountain, we're still not 100% used to seeing someone with cerebral palsy climbing it. So naturally I'm a little bit shaky and when I was feeling sick, that became worse. And they were very quick to think about sending me back down. I hadn't flown twenty five hours in order to go back down, but <laughs> but at the same time, just like we have to now, we do have to listen to those with experience. So I was really glad that they had technology that could test my uh, my blood levels to realise that it was actually okay. Mm. But on the final night, you know, we we start climbing at eleven thirty in the evening and. They were getting ready to do a thing called a hospital run where they just walk me up, have someone either side of me and take me back down. And in fact, they got me they they asked me to leave camp half an hour before anyone else. And I was thinking, man, how much more adversity do you want to give me? Like they give me half an hour's to sleep than anyone else. <laughs> and we got climbing Chris, and there was a, it was a full moon and my guide has got to know me pretty well by this stage and he said, Cam, you, you want to make it to the top before the rest of your team, don't you? And I, I responded with, well, a lot of these people are here directly or indirectly because of an email but I see now, I've experienced my worst day I know some of them will experience it tonight, and for them knowing that I'm uh, in front of them might just contribute towards that motivation. And so he looked up and he said, "It's a full moon. Turn off your torch." And uh, we didn't see anyone else until we got to the top nine hours later.
0: Awesome, man. That is that is and, cool.
1: It's a pretty surreal thing when you're in the middle of Africa, as kind of as like minus one to minus ten. You start climbing at eleven thirty in the evening, and you know you're not going to get to the top until daylight. Like that was crazy.
0: Mm. How did you feel standing on the top?
1: To stand on the top was was an accomplishment I and mean, you know is is the nice thing about having these goals like a walk or a climb is that we so often in our life have bigger goals that we're working towards you know goals that are going to take years or, or, or decades and so to have something that you know, you can look back in your year and you can see where it began. You can see what the pain points were. And then you can feel yourself getting to the top in a way ticking it off just gives you so much confidence in what else you can achieve. And mm-hmm. that everything in life just comes down to a, a process. You know, there is a process for getting to that top of a mountain. Some parts were harder than others. And, and it's much like that with our goals, whatever that may be.
0: It is. And I think like, if we use, if we use that story as a, as a little bit of a metaphor for, for chasing goals and chasing dreams, I'm interested in your response to this was standing at the top for you more awesome than climbing the mountain with all of those other people. Or were they similar levels of awesomeness?
1: Standing on the top with all those people was hands down the most awesome part. Yeah, and and that's the moment I was waiting for. That's the moment i would seen in my head. like welcoming everyone in was just so cool.
0: Awesome man, and um, and Cam, I mean this year is uh is a big one for you as well. Um. You got a you got a lot of stuff on, but obviously with with things yeah. that are currently going on as well with the coronavirus, and luckily we're recording remotely. Actually, with that, that little cough there, mate. Oh God.
1: No. <laughs> it really is just more of a bit of spit going down my throat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I had that as well. People give you dirty looks, say eh, though, if you oh, have, no. if you choke on something.
1: No, it was a new form of ransom Was a cop. Mm. Yeah,
0: yeah. But obviously this, uh, with, with what you do for work, going out and speaking to large groups of people, which is not ideal in the, in the climate at the moment to have large groups of people hanging around, obviously that's affected the work that you do a little bit as well this year?
1: A, a huge bit. Huge bit. I was going into what was gonna be my biggest year in terms of audiences of thousands of people all over the world. You know, within the last two days, half of it has been cancelled already.
0: How does that make you feel?
1: I mean this was a year this is a year this is a year where I'm planning some things that I've never done before and having the security of, of busyness was a nice thing to be able to look back on and go, well, what's going to support this next chapter that I'm looking to build? And now I'm having to, yeah, you know, just reassess how, how you still go about doing that. Like how, how I like it's more like, how do we see this as just a part of a dream, you know? Not everything does go to plan. And I, I often asked mum and dad, you know, they, they had no idea that I was going to be born with cerebral palsy. I was born with cerebral palsy. They didn't even know until a few moments later. And I asked, you know, how did you respond when you heard that I've been born with cerebral palsy? And they say, well, we, we stayed true to that dream that inspired us to be parents. And so for me, that's also why a dream is so important because we were able to pretty much achieve the opposite of what doctors and health professionals said would be possible because we keep focused on the dream and the possibilities and the opportunities and so with this going on I feel that I, to, to change the dream would be wrong it's just going, okay, just a bit like been on the mountain, I might need to go around that rock instead of over it. Yeah,
0: yeah. You've got some great analogies, Cam. Great analogies,
1: mate. I think it's but <laughs> it's where I think, you know, but every day we have perceptions that get in the way of our dreams. Every single day. This is the reality, right? There's a real thing happening that is. You know, for me, having a huge impact on my business, but I get comfort from the fact that everyone, this will hopefully bring out the best in people. And there'll be a real appreciation that we've got to really, you know, be there for one another. And at the same time, maybe look at how we do do things. I've already had a call from a client in America saying, hey, Kim, can we do this? conference virtually because messages, our positivity, things for increasing morale in our teams and our people and our family are actually going to be really, really important right now. And I think we can all do that. You don't need to be a motivational speaker to do that. Let's get out here. Let's start sharing positive stories. You know, let's start making sure we make people smile.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a really important point. And it's, I mean, obviously this is a, this is a pretty tough time for a whole lot of people at the moment, but everything in history, this is at some point going to pass. And and if we can, if we can create some hope or some positivity for people as well, that just, it makes dealing with this hardship and dealing with this discomfort a little bit easier for them as well i like what you said about kind of rethinking the way that you do things as well and and there are a lot of different ways that we can that we can look at going after our dreams and going after our goals and and sometimes we're we're really guilty of just sort of getting stuck in the way that we had been doing things because it seemed to be working for us as you said that this almost opens up a whole lot of a whole lot of different opportunities for us amongst the challenges that we're we're facing at the moment and again kind of not to, to belittle anything that's that's going on in the world and uh and all of the the horrible stuff that has happened because of the of the coronavirus the people that have lost their lives and um who have been become critically unwell but Thankfully, for the, the vast majority of people that, that do get that illness, that isn't the case for them. It's an opportunity at the moment to, to really refocus on, on our dreams and on our goals as well.
1: Yeah, but but, but, no, but as well, just the, that balance is going to be so, so important, you know, and, and where we have very much. Been in a society that's grow, grow, go get them, go get them. You know, we wouldn't be able to do what we do if it wasn't for our people. And so we've got to really go, are we being the best neighbours? Are we being the best families? Are we, once you know, once we get that back on track, we can start propelling those bigger dreams.
0: Definitely. And I think it's like, as you mentioned before, we started recording it. A lot of it's about empathy and how empathetic we are with, with other people and with ourselves as well. And I was taking our dog for a walk to the park yesterday and I bumped into the, to the neighbors at the top of the driveway. And we've, we've got lovely neighbors here, which are, which are amazing. We know them reasonably well, which is cool as well, but a lot of people don't. But what Georgina said to me was, just exchanging phone numbers with with all of the people kind of nearby as well so if someone does get sick we can go out and get things for them and, and drop them off and, and help them out in, in different ways and just kind of create support in around that area as well and I think again this is this is something that is is hopefully going to strengthen communities and strengthen the bonds that we that we have with each other
1: yeah well it's the first time that you um you've got all your neighbours
0: phone numbers yeah it is actually it is
1: well, yeah. positive it's come out of it already like just that whole thing of I had my my next door neighbour sending me a message the other day I, I was stoked like I didn't even realise he had my number I and mean, he was really just checking in and making sure it was okay and it, it felt good
0: yeah yeah and it's like it, it's something that we probably don't do enough of and I'll have a chat to all of my neighbours if, if we bump into them, but um, I haven't actually kind of gone out of my way to check in that they are okay. So I think that's, that is something cool that's coming out of it for me already. And Cam, in terms of dreams, how do we best stay on track with them in a time like this?
1: Simplify, simplifying, remember, Mommy My dream is to be able to address as many people... As I can to have it reached to contribute towards a more inspired world. And now I've only done that primarily through conferences, through being in the room with people, you know, en masse. And so now it's about looking at well, what are the other opportunities for still getting that? And, uh, you know, is my website up to date? Is my YouTube profile? Can we get more videos out? So just, doing it in in other ways. For me, it's been five days where it's just been an impact, and so you're dealing with it, I think. One thing I did strut away, though, is that as soon as that postponement came through, was making contact with each client, and just saying, hey, I'm here for you. You know, I can appreciate that's not a tough call decision to make. I can appreciate the fear that comes as a result of all of this and uh, yeah, start thinking of ways in which you can communicate better to people and when you start thinking of, well, you know, am I communicating to to my grandmother as well? Am I making sure she's okay? Am I making sure my family's okay?
0: Yeah. And it, I mean, it's, it's that empathy that you talked that we talked about just before it's, uh, it's showing it to everyone because everyone is, is doing it tough at the moment. Everyone's got things that they're uncertain about and, and that they're fearful of as well. And it's just being mindful of, of that. Um, mindfulness comes up again. <laughs> it's being mindful of the need to be empathetic to to people as well. And, and obviously ask yourself, uh, am I being empathetic to myself as well because it's sometimes it's easy to beat yourself up at, at times like this as well
1: Oh, mate, and I think there's a real fear that comes in every day at the moment is I love my life as it is and managing how you respond to these things that really aren't going to plan you know I, I, yeah I still have this goal of, of moving country this year and you're going through visa processes and applications. And yeah, it's was just a, it's a really interesting time. But you also know that at the end, we are gonna get through this. We are gonna get through this stronger and that what we learn from it will have a universal lesson for people.
0: Definitely can. Before I last ask you the last couple of questions, I just want to say thank you so much for for taking the time to to have this conversation with me. And obviously when we set this up, it was a couple of weeks ago and things have, things have definitely changed and evolved in over that time frame and, and what we were going to originally talk about, we've, we've touched on a little bit today, but thank you for, for sharing some of the challenges that you're going through at the moment. And, giving people uh, like one of the things that you do is, is to give people that glimpse of hope that you had when you were young as well. And having this conversation with you and kind of hearing how you're, you're going through this and how you're dealing with that definitely gives, gives me a glimpse of a glimpse of hope of what is, what is possible and what, what might happen here. Um, And I'm sure it has for a whole lot of other people as well. So not just thank you for your time, but thank you for that that glimpse of hope as well, Cam. Uh,
1: you're welcome. But yes. yeah, like walking walking down to the beach, getting fresh air, all that stuff to be so. You know, maybe we're not in a gym sweating next to someone who's within a metre of us, but let's get out there, you know, and breathe in that fresh air. I'm thinking we've got to look after our really important. You know, like yeah, you know, I'm not here to but you know it felt good having a big bowl of vegetables today you know and just going because our brains are having to to think in ways in which it hasn't that to think before you know and making it really tiring and tiring can lead on to us not feeling great so um you know smiles and vegetables and water is key
0: it is. It is. That's a it could be a great uh, title for the podcast: Smiles and Water and Vegetables. Um, <laughs> Cam, if people are interested in, in finding out more about you, how can they do that?
1: Yeah, um, working on a new website. But I have my website, Cam Calcoon, and I'm on Instagram which would be my most my most common one, but Facebook, LinkedIn for. you. LinkedIn is really interesting. LinkedIn is growing like a, a rate of knots, you know? Um, yeah, which is cool. I really like it. I'm learning more about LinkedIn and uh, it's a good, good way to connect.
0: It is. It's a great way. So you should definitely, people listening, should connect with Cam on LinkedIn. And while you're there, connect with me as well. Cam, maybe do you have a have a positive message to leave us with this week or a positive question to leave us with this week?
1: Yeah, sorry, I hadn't thought of that before we uh, came into
0: this. That's right, mate. It's a nice little challenge for you now.
1: Keeping hold of a dream because the dream creates a goal. A goal creates an opportunity, and what we do with our opportunities is up to us. And I often, you know, at the end of a talk, I'll have people that come up to me and say, Cam, my challenge is n- nothing compared to yours. And, Now that's slightly different now, given what's going on in the world, but there's still, our challenges are real. Our challenges do keep things in perspective, and when we reflect on challenges that we've overcome before, because we've all had challenges before, individually or as a whole, and we've got food, and it's through our reflection on those, that we grow resilience, we gain strength, and that we're able to really focus on our opportunities. And there are opportunities out there. I meet a lot of successful people, and the most successful people I know are what I call opportunity-centric, as in they don't see the challenges. And, and, and because of that, because of them, you know, my good mate Tarinjo encouraging me to be an athlete when other people would have seen walking as a big challenge for me. You know, it's no doubt that a guy like that's gone on to be one of the best Ironmen in the world. You know, the the guy who told me that I could be a speaker was a guy called Billy Graham, who was one of and is one of New Zealand's greatest speakers down from Bayou, the near Wellington Crest. and. And so these people who do see opportunity really do achieve more. And if we can see the opportunity, no matter how small it may be, saying hi to someone in the street, giving someone a smile, giving people an opportunity to tell their story. Because when we hear someone's story, we bend perception and we eliminate assumption. We can all do that of being we, we take a pause from our day-to-day life and, and we create a more awesome world.
0: Cam Calcoon, thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with us today.
1: You're welcome, man. I um, hope you know, made our work and uh, always a privilege to be able to, to speak. So thank you.
0: There you have it, team. I hope you enjoyed that one. I hope it created a, a sense of opportunity for you as we as we go through this struggle at the moment hopefully it created a sense of hope for you as well that actually everything is is going to be okay despite the hardships that are going on at the moment again i want to thank cam for for sharing so honestly and so openly about what what he's going through at the moment but being an inspiration to all of us as he does that as well as i said i hope everyone's safe i hope everyone's healthy Thank you to land for editing this, buddy. Thank you for Jeremy, my brother, for the amazing theme music. And thank you, as always, to you guys for tuning in, to listening. Make sure that you stay home. If you're working in essential services anywhere in the world, thank you so much for the work that you're putting in at the moment. And um, thank you for getting uncomfortable with me this week.